thank you, UUCPA Adult Choir, for sharing that beautiful anthem with us. And thank you all so much for welcoming me to Palo Alto from the opposite coast of the country through the wonders of technology. Today, we'll be exploring what the lessons of quantum mechanics have to tell us about people, humanism, and how we choose to build a better future. Now, I'm not a physicist, let alone an expert in quantum entanglement. So first, I'd like to share with you a very brief primer on quantum entanglement using cakes, courtesy of Nobel laureate, Dr. Frank Wilczek of MIT. Now, to understand quantum entanglement, Dr. Wilczek explains that we should imagine a pair of cakes. If by looking at one cake, you have no idea about the other cake, as is the case with most cakes I've ever eaten, then the cakes are independent. However, if the cakes were instead entangled molecules, then knowing something about one cake would give us information about the other. Now, some of you might think, as I once did, that this wouldn't happen that often with cakes or molecules. However, Dr. Wilczek would quickly disabuse us of that notion. In practice, he says, unentangled or independent states are rare exceptions. For whenever systems interact, the interaction creates correlations between them. And here's where that gets interesting for those of us who have chosen a covenantal relationship with others in the world. I'd like you to think back to the story I shared for, in our time for all ages. Bits bumped, gathered, fused, and throughout the cosmos, stars caught fire. Our universe was born in, in an impossibly short moment when everything interacted. Just the type of circumstance in which Dr. Wilczek tells us that entanglements happen. From a quantum perspective, it might seem more surprising if all of us who are also star stuff weren't connected in an interdependent web of all existence. Yes, that was eons ago, with a whole universe between now and then. But that is actually the very thing that explains what Einstein called the spookiest part of quantum behavior. That even with vast distances between them, entangled molecules remain connected. Dr. Wiltshek explains again in everyday terms. If you separated a pair of boxing gloves and mailed them to opposite sides of the world, it would hardly be surprising unexpected, spooky, that you could predict what would be in each box when it's opened. In a way, molecules have memory. They must be together to imprint on each other, but once they are connected, they stay that way. In those first trillionth of a second, our universe was together. 
We may be separated now. My distance is almost too far to consider. But I believe. And the seventh principle we covenant together reminds us that we remain connected. We are all soulmates in a way. Ourselves remember, perhaps, a time when the world was not you and me and them and that, but us, we, all tied together in this shining web of being. We are not quantum, but perhaps we are so fascinated by ideas of quantum mechanics not just because of the scientific possibilities, but because they show us the way back home. We too are more complicated than we first seem. When we meet someone, when we get to know them, even become friends, lovers, or family, we only see part of the bundle of possibilities and nuance and blood and nerves that is the human experience. We sometimes try to reduce each other to a list of characteristics, but no list could ever capture all of us. We don't hold just complexities, but also contradictions. It doesn't make us less real or less worthy. It simply means that we, like the quantum systems being studied, can never be fully described or known from any one single angle. The sacred work we do in community is to hold with joy, with sorrow, with rage and hope, each spark that floats alongside us on this journey to recognize that the holiness that exists in us and between us is not dependent on who we are or what we do. That holiness, and I choose to reclaim that word with intention, that that holiness does not depend on a divine gift or inheritance. Instead, it asks of us accountability, but we do truly contain multitudes. No one view of physical reality captures all its aspects, Dr. Wilczek says. One must take into account many different, mutually exclusive views, each offering valid but partial insights. That may be, I think, the single greatest theological thought that quantum mechanics can offer us, that the universe itself is essentially a giant both and. And it's a both and that tears down all of our carefully constructed dividers. I am you and you are me. We are us together in so many different ways. And that is a beautiful thing in all its complexity. We have created our systems, processes, our measurements, 
and I like them as much as the next person. We've created them to hold chaos at bay. But it is in the chaos that we become entangled together. Quantum mechanics teaches us another lesson, another important lesson for life and for living in community. And that is the power of mystery. We believe in things we can measure and explore with our senses. Believe in science, measurement, and knowing. And yet, knowledge is so incredibly important. And when we try to grasp too desperately at knowledge, at certainty, we lose something precious, something ineffable. Sometimes we try to fit life and people into molds we understand because we can't live in the unknowing. But my dear ones, the unknowing is a powerful and sacred place to be. Quantum mechanics teaches us that the very act of measuring something, of reducing it to a set of data we can ingest, changes that thing. Physicist Sidney Coleman calls that quantum mechanics in your face. Because to understand this principle, we have to give up one of our foundational beliefs, which Dr. Wilczek tellingly calls a deeply embedded prejudice. That physical systems have definite properties, independent of whether those properties are measured. It may sound paradoxical, I think this is something we understand even as we sometimes reject it. Consider for a moment the classic conundrum of a tree falling in the forest. If a tree falls in the forest and nobody is around, does it make a sound? How do we discover that? I've heard people suggest ways to figure it out, equations, complicated relay systems to bring the sound out without being there. That, that misses the point. In order to measure the answer, we have to disrupt the system. We have to insert ourselves, our equipment, our explanations into the environment. Once internalized, Dr. Wilczek further says, this message is unforgettable and mind expanding. Because it's about more than trees or quanta. This is the hardest and most important lesson we can learn if we want to create beloved community. To try to measure someone else, to try to reduce someone else into a set of data we can ingest is to change them. I often hear well-meaning people say to me, um, to other people who hold historically marginalized identities, explain to me 
what you experience. And I'm just trying to understand. You don't need to understand in order to celebrate. Let me say that a little bit louder for the people in the virtual back pews. You do not need to understand in order to celebrate. None of us do. I believe that humanism offers us unique opportunities for the future. But if we are going to build beloved humanist community, we need some new goals collectively. We need to let go of our quest to think through everything. We need to let go of our quest to convince people of the rightness of our ideas whether interpersonally or on a broader scale. We and the universe around us were connected before time as we know it. We are connected still, even though our molecules have drifted apart. Beloved community does not ask us to change each other with an insistence on measuring and understanding, but rather to share justice and love with each strand of the shining web through which we are connected. That web is more powerful. We are more powerful when we choose instead the discomfort of uncertainty rather than the old familiar goal of certainty. Many, not all, but many of us who identify as humanists also embrace some form of non-theism. I fear though, that we have rejected the idea of gods only to set up idols to the divinity of our towering intellect and the sacred perfection of our reason. But we are not gods. We are faulty and flawless beings who are discovering breath by breath, touch by touch, story by story, the molecular structure of togetherness. In his novel, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Douglas Adams famously posited that the answer to everything, to the mystery that of existence is you probably know, 42. Now, Adams himself maintained that the answer was a joke, but so many people have since tried to find the symbolism behind the number. Well, I think the magic and the meaning is not in finding the right answer, but in undertaking the search together, of finding joy in the seeking, in the imagining. Our understanding of scientific hypotheses calls us to recognize that perhaps we have always been connected and our humanist values call us to bring our whole self into that interconnection, mess and all. Perhaps the web of all existence that stretches shining across our world back through time and forward into the future is made of the star stuff that calls us back home to each other. 
the sasha that ties us to the soulmates all around us, the sasha that once exploded into infinite possibilities and still beckons us into new mysteries. The meaning of life was never in a number or a theory, in quanta or cake or the sacred writing of scholars long gone. The meaning of life is in the space between us, in what we make of it, in how we celebrate each other's universes. And that unknowing, that endless search for who we can become, become and how we can make each other free, that, that is our most important meaning making of all. Amen, Ashe, and may we make it so together.